Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary, which this week was Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. As always, you can find more sermons or more information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. about today's gospel passage feels like a trap. It feels like walking head first into the fire swamp from the movie The Princess Bride. In that, to get where you want to go, you must pass through an area where three known major obstacles are lurking, waiting for the chance to take you down. Fire spurts, lightning sand, and of course, RUSs, or rodents of unusual size. First, the fire spurts. You know, those flames that shoot up from the ground like geysers without warning? Or the idea that if you ask God for something, it will happen exactly how and when you want. Or as Debbie calls it, the idea of a gumball God. A God who functions as a divine gumball machine, taking in your prayer requests and spitting out the exact blessing you desire. Second, the lightning sand. You know, like quicksand, except way faster. Or the follow-up to the gumball god, which is the problematic interpretation that when gumball god doesn't deliver, it's because you're not praying hard enough, or you lack faith, or there is some other problem with you that makes God withhold blessings. And finally, that brings us to the RUSs, you know, those huge adult human-sized aggressive rat-like creatures from the movie which is the idea that if God doesn't answer your prayers exactly when and how you want them answered, then your prayers must not be in line with the will of God. So for example, in this line of thinking, if we pray for a miraculous healing and God doesn't deliver, somehow the illness or death of the person for whom we pray is part of the will of God. If you play out that line of thinking, it takes us to some pretty troubling places then God's will wouldn't include an end to violence or an end to poverty or an end to world hunger, things we pray for every week. So where do these obstacles come from? Well, Jesus himself tells us, knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Taken at face value, Jesus' own words can start us down the path of this line of thinking. And then, of course, there's the fact that these words are preceded by a story that makes it sound like Jesus is saying, if you just annoy God long enough with your wants, eventually God will give in to you, not because God wants to, but just because God wants you to cease and desist with all that annoying knocking. So then, if all these obstacles exist in the interpretation of this passage, what then are we to make with Jesus' words, stories, and images here? And what options do we have with how to proceed? Assuming we don't want to perpetuate the idea of a gumball God, or the idea that if God doesn't answer your prayers, then something is wrong with you, or you're asking for things that don't align with the will of God, then we're left with the idea that maybe, just maybe, Jesus' words in this passage aren't meant to be taken literally. 
And yet they still may in fact have something to teach us about the way we inhabit prayer in the world and how we could dare ask for something miraculous to happen. Now the not always taking Jesus literally thing comes pretty naturally for us in the Episcopal Church. As we are not a denomination that teaches that the Bible should always be interpreted literally. And that when Jesus tells us a story about a man who annoyed his neighbor long enough that he finally got up and gave the man what he wanted, that doesn't necessarily mean our relationship to God functions in the same way. However, my experience is that the natural outcome of our way of thinking is difficulty believing in miracles, bashfulness about naming our deepest desires before God, and a general doubt that prayer can have any real impact on the world around us. So how can we have both? How can we not take Jesus at face value and still give ourselves permission to believe that prayer actually makes a real, tangible difference in our world? In other words, what's the point here? But before we dive into that question, I want to tell you a story about why it matters in the first place. Picture it. It's a Subway sandwich shop inside of a gas station somewhere near Tracy, California. Inside, there are three tables pushed together in the back corner of a seating area. Around those tables sit seven high school students and two youngish priests. They look tired, especially the priests. They're ravenously scarfing down six-inch sandwiches, and they're having the sort of roundtable conversation that makes it look like maybe the two priests are making all the high schoolers answer the same question. Because we are. I'm one of those tired-looking priests along with Christchurch Alameda's associate rector, Will Scott. <clears throat> the seven high school students are made up of five from All Souls and two from Christchurch. We're making our very last stop on our way home from Los Angeles, where we have spent a week exploring the city and more specifically, exploring the extremes of poverty and wealth that exist there by serving at the Union Rescue Mission, one of LA's oldest organizations serving the unhoused population on Skid Row. We've served meals, we've sorted donations, and had a chance to share breakfast with unhoused people and listen to their stories. And the dreaded question we've asked them to answer is the great classic of youth ministers everywhere, what are you taking home with you from this experience? After a few students had shared, I offered my own response. I'm taking home hope, I said. Hope for the future of our church and of our country, that one day they'll be in your hands. As an aside, if you haven't been feeling very hopeful about the future lately, I will just take a moment to recommend spending time with the youth of this community. They're insightful, kind, funny, and on top of all that, they're deeply aware of and troubled by the injustice in our nation and threats to the environment and the most vulnerable among us. But this isn't the important part of the story. The important part of, is the response that followed mine. Well, Maggie, I guess my answer is sort of the opposite of yours, this young person said. I sort of feel helpless. Homelessness is such a huge problem, not just in L.A., but everywhere, and I just don't see how it will ever get solved. This response is the exact reason we need passages like today's gospel reading, despite the many pitfalls we've fallen into historically in their interpretation. 
in telling us to ask, seek, knock, and keep knocking, Jesus gives us permission to name aloud before God our deep yearnings, our deep dissatisfaction with the way things are, our laments about the state of the world in which we find ourselves. When we feel helpless, unable to solve our own problems, we find ourselves lacking in our abilities. And Jesus tells us to come before God with the ferocity and persistence of a man who won't stop knocking on his neighbor's door, even though it's the middle of the night, even though he knows he's making a scene, even though what he's asking for is something tangible and real. And even though he might be embarrassed that he's found himself lacking what he needs. And when his friends ask him how to pray, Jesus basically says, be bold. Ask for sufficient food. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for nothing short of the kingdom. These are not trifle matters, people. This is the real deal. Jesus promises us that when we boldly come before God in our own helplessness, God responds by sending God's very self to us in the Holy Spirit. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what if God's response to our deepest longings is real and tangible and miraculous? Might not be a winning lotto ticket, but God's response to our deepest longings is to draw near to us, to fill us up with her spirit, to show us her loving and abiding presence in a world that cries out for healing. So maybe if we're bold enough to ask, we might just get a miracle after all the real, tangible, miraculous presence of the Holy Spirit living and moving in, around, and through us in this world. Thank you.